that sled. So I don't know where you find one of those. Thankfully, we went on the internet and were able to locate one. Um, but had a, a good Christmas and um, just grateful to be back here Sunday after, worshiping the Lord with y'all, worshiping the Lord who sits on his throne and who reigns. And this morning, we are uh, not only coming to the end of the year, but we're, we're getting close to the, to the end of Acts in our study, New Normal. You can go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Acts this morning. It will be a uh, topical sermon. It's taken from various verses in the book of Acts, and the title is Reflections on Growing in Christ-Likeness. Reflections on Growing in Christ-Likeness. As we, as, we, as we arrive toward the end of this book, we're, we're looking at about 30 years of life that's taken place in the early church. And what we're going to do is we're going to reflect on what the normal Christian life has looked like for these believers and how if we're experiencing that same um, normality in our lives as well. So please pray with me, and we'll get started. Lord, we love to sing the good news. All hail, Redeemer, hail. For he has died for me. His praise and glory shall not fail through all eternity. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we thank you that as we come to the end of this year, we look to you and you have not changed. You are still the same. You are still ruling. You are still carrying us along. Lord, you are still being good to us. In the midst of all our circumstances, you are God to us, and, and we worship you, and it's appropriate for us to worship you. Lord, in light of such mercy that you have shown us, in light of such grace that you've poured out on our lives, God, you, you also call us to respond to that. Lord, you call us to... to to lay down our lives and to, to follow you, Jesus, and to become like you, be living sacrifices before you. So, Lord, as we transition to a new year, may, may our time this morning of reflecting back and reflecting over the book of Acts and reflecting over our lives be fruitful. Lord, would you strengthen us? Would you remind us of your love for us? Encourage us of your grace that's at work in all of us. Lord, we are asking for your help. I'm asking for your help this morning as I preach. Help this morning as we listen to your word. And help, Lord, to apply your word. Not only help to see you on your throne, Lord, but to see how we may respond to that amazing reality. So, Lord, help us now. May your word be effective in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the end of the year issues forth a call to reflect, doesn't it? Coming to the end of anything significant is always really just an opportunity to look back on the journey. Especially when we come to the end of the year. It's a time when reflection and contemplation about what took place over our lives is, is unavoidable, right? Facebook's even got in on this, right? You've done the year in review on Facebook. It's, everybody's reflecting. Everybody's looking back and thinking on this past life uh, in 2014. 
And I don't know about you, but around this time of the year, one of my favorite things to get in the mail are Christmas cards. Um, enjoy getting those in the mail, especially from friends and family who do not live close by. Uh, some of you may know that Judith Ann and I, we met at Ole Miss, and I know I just risked losing all of y'all at that. We, we met at Ole Miss, and we, we moved to Miami, Florida after graduation to work with crew at the University of Miami, and then we, we moved to Gaithersburg, Maryland to go to seminary, and, and that was just before we arrived here in New Orleans. So it's fun. It's fun to get Christmas cards from friends and family in those various seasons. We, we were there for some of them when their kids were born, so we're seeing how their kids are growing up and changing. Uh, a lot of their kids are just babies from friends, and we're seeing how they're growing up and changing. And we love that. I, I enjoy that particularly. At Christmas cards, what they do, one of the things they do is they depict growth. They depict change for us, don't they? I'm sure you experience that as you reflect as well over friends' cards. Let me ask you a question this morning. What if the end of this year, instead of looking at a picture of your family from 2014, you looked at a picture of your spiritual life from 2014. What, what would that look like? What, what would you say about that, about your own life? Not what others would say about it, not what you would say about others, right? I'm, I'm talking about your own spiritual life. Have you been growing? Has there, been, has there been change in your own life? Are you, are you eating solid food yet? Were you doing that this year? Were you, were you drinking milk, spiritually speaking? Are you, are you walking by now with the Savior? Are you maturing in Christ? Is that, is that happening? Are you, are you growing up? After all, isn't that the great end for which we were saved, to become, become more like our Savior. God saved us, made us new creations to conform us, to grow us up into the image of Jesus. What, a, what an amazing reality. What an amazing privilege. And the Bible speaks a lot about God's grace to us and how he saved us, but it also says if you've been saved, you will be growing. God matures us and grows us. Ephesians 4, I've got a couple of verses in your notes. It says that we will be growing up into every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. Right? Romans 8 tells us, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who were called according to his purpose. And listen to this. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. To what? To the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Has this been your experience in 2014? And how do you know? How do you know if this has been your experience? This is where Acts helps us this morning as we come to this book and we reflect over the many years and looking at Christian growth, normal Christian growth in this book, we're able to, to kind of see what that looks like for the Christians and ask ourselves, is that, what, is that what's taking place in our lives as well? Am I, am I growing in Christ-likeness according to, to what the Bible holds forth that looks like? Right, so, so here's some questions for us to reflect on this morning. That's what we're going to do, take some time to reflect. Just a couple qualifications up front. Number one, uh, 
Growth in Christ-likeness is a process for Christians. It is, it is a process, and listen, it is a long process, okay? Uh, it, it, takes for, it takes place over a period of time, right? Uh, we, we experience it to varying degrees of success, but nonetheless, God's people grow up. We mature, and we're all in this process together. And so it's just so appropriate to ask, if that's true, if the Bible tells me I should be growing, man, we're at the end of the year. Let's ask, am I? Is this happening? Are we seeing this in our lives? And, and how do we know? Well, we're going to reflect over these questions here that we take from the book of Acts and, and just look at our lives briefly this morning. So number one, question number one to see, are you growing up? Is, are you, are you repenting? Are you repenting? What I mean is, are you consistently turning from sin? And turning to God. Repentance is a, it's, it's a two-sided coin. It's a turning away from sin. And it's a turning to God for forgiveness of that sin. The growing Christian, listen, is not somebody without sin. That's just not the case. The growing Christian is somebody who is aware of the sin and repenting of that in our lives. It's, it's, it's turning from that. It's agreeing with God about what he thinks about it. It's looking at the fact that the Savior died for it. The reality that you will, too, if you have Christ, are dead to it. And you're turning to God and aligning your life with his ways. Listen, more is said about repentance in the book of Acts than in any other book of the Bible. It's, it's the summary response to the gospel, to the good news. When you hear the gospel, the most appropriate response is turning from sin is repenting and turning to God. Christ died for sin. Once for all, he was raised to life. Therefore, over and over in Acts, you read, repent, repent, every one of you turn from sin, turn to God. It's it's the single act into the Christian life. It's also an ongoing practical way where you're increasingly conformed to the image of Christ as we see in Acts 26. And it's keeping, keeping with repentance in our lives. As, As Christians... There's good news. We're no longer what we once were if you've been born again. You're a, a new creation in Christ. But, but we are not yet what God calls us to become, right? And so, an ongoing life of repentance, an ongoing life of spiritual and moral turnaround as we submit to the Lord, must be the response for growing Christians. That's what repentance is. Listen, repentance is a changing of mind. That leads to a changing in lifestyle. A changing of mind that leads to a changing in lifestyle. In light of the mercy God has shown us. Have you been experiencing repentance this past year? As we read through Acts, we see that it's normal. It's normal for the early Christians. And and here's why it's so normal. Because the Christians in Acts were so close. They were so close to Christ. They were full of the Holy Spirit. And when you're close to Christ that way, you hate sin. And you turn from that and turn to God. So, is repentance, is that normal in your life as you look back over 2014? How will you plan to prioritize that in 2015? Number two, number two, are you rejoicing? 
Are you rejoicing? This is the second response that should come from us as we hear the good news of the gospel. Joy, real joy that leads to Christ's likeness comes from response to the good news of who God is and what God has done. That's the kind of rejoicing we see in Acts. Look at chapter 13, 48 with me in your notes. It says this, And when the Gentiles heard this, has heard the good news of what God has done in Christ, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many were appointed to eternal life, believed. They, they heard the good news that Christ died for our sins and was raised to life. And they rejoice. They rejoice. That's the response. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, nothing was more characteristic of the first Christians than this element of joy. It's the birthright of the children of God. Christian joy, I want to say this, it's not some sort of pasted smile, superficial cheerfulness, or pep in your step that's indifferent to painful and difficult circumstances. I know all of us have walked through painful and difficult circumstances, or maybe we are. Joy's not tied to those. It's based entirely on who God is and what he's done for us. What we just celebrated, the the coming of Christ. The maker coming for our rescue. Oh my goodness. What joy should fill our hearts. That's normal. That produces Christ-like growth. In us. Circumstances are not the cause for Christian joy. John MacArthur has a quote here. He says, Christian joy is not an emotion on top of an emotion. It's not a feeling on top of a feeling. It is a feeling on top of a fact. It's an emotional response to what I know to be true about my God. We see this in, in our own Savior, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame. Why? How can he have joy? Because he knows. He knows that God is coming to rescue his people. He knows what God is doing. He knows who God is. Are you rejoicing in what you know to be true about God and, and what God is doing in your life and what he's done to save you? Or are circumstances in life or other things crowding out the joy? I know and that can often be at play in our lives. It takes intentionality to rejoice in the good news of what God has done for us. Paul saw rejoicing as being so vital to becoming like Christ that while in prison, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And for emphasis, he says again, I'm saying this again, rejoice. How will you prioritize rejoicing in the good news of what God has done for you and who he is and just delighting in the Lord in 2015. Number three, number three, are you witnessing? In Acts 1.8, Jesus says to the disciples and, and to all of us, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And just to prove that he has all of us in mind to the ends of the earth. A witness is someone who testifies to what God has done in saving his people through Jesus. And they carry this message to everyone they meet and everywhere they go. Proclaiming this, verbally communicating this to others is a normal part of the Christian life. It's a response to who God is, 
have you been, have you been bringing others to see Jesus and to meet Jesus. Becoming like Christ requires bringing others to Christ. A, a healthy love for Christ can be seen in telling others about Christ. I love Chipotle. Just going to say it. And guess what? There's like one going up just like within a mile from where I live. And guess, I mean, I immediately went to texting my friends who also like Chipotle. Guess what? Guess what's coming in town? Um, you know, we, 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 we're eager to talk about what we love. And as Christians called to grow in Christ-likeness, it, it, it should be normal for us to talk about the one who paid our debt. The one who, because of his great love for us, laid down his life. Are you, are you witnessing? We, we simply must not be content with not seeing souls come to Jesus through our witness. Charles Spurgeon says this while preaching to his congregation in London in 1869. If I never won souls, I would sigh till I did. I, I would break my heart over them if I could not break their hearts. Though I can understand the possibility of an earnest sower never reaping. I, I cannot understand the possibility of an earnest sower being content to not reap. I, I cannot comprehend any one of you Christian people trying to win souls and not having results and being satisfied without results. What about you? Are you satisfied without seeing others come to know Jesus through your witness? Whom has God placed in your life that needs to hear the gospel? And how will you bring them the gospel in 2015? How will you make it a priority for your life? This is, this is, this is normal activity for those who are growing in Christ's likeness. Number four, are you fellowshipping? Are you fellowshipping? We see in Acts, if we value becoming like Christ... Whom has, <clears throat> sorry, we must value fellowship with Christ's people. Valuing becoming like Christ equals valuing having fellowship with Christ's people. Emotionally healthy people crave community. And, and fellowship is the community who God has carved out for the Christian to be with. If you're, if you're not breathing the fresh air of Christian fellowship, then you're probably not becoming like Christ, if you distance yourself from fellowship in a real way, you're distancing yourself from who God is and from him being even more real to you in your life and knowing him better. The English word is a translation of the Greek word for fellowship. It's koinonia, which I know many of you know. It captures the idea of sharing in the life of Christ together and all that that encompasses. Right? This can happen in many ways. Whether it's attending church on Sundays, whether it's going with your small group or spending time with another believer sharing what Christ has done in your life. In Acts 2.42, we read that the early Christians were devoted to this. They were devoted to fellowship. As Christians, we must live this kind of life with one another. And it's absolutely necessary if you want to grow. J.I. Packer says, The fellowship of sharing with one another what we receive from the Lord is a spiritual necessity. For God has not made us self-sufficient. 
We are not made so we can keep going on our own. Are you going on your own? Listen, going on your own, it's kind of like taking a hot coal away from other hot coals and expecting it to stay hot. What's going to happen? It's going to get dark and it's going to cool off. The same is true when you remove yourself from fellowship, from the experiencing the shared life in Christ with other believers. Do you see fellowship like this? Are you fellowshipping? Are you here on Sunday as much as possible or is it only when you don't have a busy weekend? Are you, are you part of a small group? Is that the same thing as just like going to a birthday party, right? Are you going to a small group to, to share in the life of Christ and have fellowship with others? This is, this is where it's a means of grace. It's a means of experiencing growth. In Christ's likeness, it's a means of joy. If you, are, if you are disconnected from the body that Jesus has joined you to, then you're not only disconnected from the members of that body, but you're disconnected from the head. So logically, it's just impossible to more become like Christ, who is the head, when you're disconnected from that, practically speaking. As members of Christ's body, we're meant to share in Christ's life together, And we absolutely need one another. That's the whole idea of being a member. Members need one another to function and to experience health and growth. How will you make fellowship a priority in 2015? Number five, are you reading? We're going to keep going. Are you reading? This might be an understatement. Perhaps nothing is more important to the process of becoming more like Christ than reading the Bible. If you're not growing, then it's probably because you're not reading. And if you're not reading your Bible, you're missing out on knowing God better. You're missing out on living an abundant life. Acts 17, 10 through 11, it gives us a picture of what reading should look like in our life if we want to grow. Look at verse 10 in your notes. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Verse 11, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Listen, you know this. You know this. You've been taught well. If you're not reading your Bible consistently, you're probably not growing up into Christ's likeness. Not only does the Bible teach us who God is and how we can know him, but listen to some, some benefits the Bible says about itself. This is what you experience when you make this a priority. It makes wise the simple. It makes wise the simple. It revives the soul. It rejoices the heart. It lights the path in front of us. It enlightens the eyes. It discerns our thoughts and intentions. It it trains us in righteousness. It inspires us to say no to sin. And it does all this so that according to 2 Timothy 3.17... The man of God may be complete. This completes you in a real way. Makes you more like Christ, equipped for every good work. British preacher John Blanchard in his book, How to Enjoy Your Bible, writes this. Surely we only have to be realistic and honest with ourselves to know how rarely we need to turn to the Bible. How often do we face problems, temptation, and pressure? 
every day. How often do we need instruction, guidance, and greater encouragement? Every day. To catch all of these felt needs up into a greater issue, how often do we need to see God's face, hear his voice, feel his touch, know his power? The answer to all these questions is the same. It's it's every day. If you want to grow, please don't turn away from this book. Read it, memorize it, study it, meditate on it. Align your life with it and your thoughts with God's. These are his words to us. They're meant for our joy. They're meant for our growth in Christ-likeness. How will you make reading this a priority in 2015? Are you planning and thinking that way? Number six, are you praying? Are you praying? Prayer is mentioned 32 times in the book of Acts. Translation, it's normal. It's normal for the Christians. We see in Acts 2.42, just like fellowship, we see it's something they're devoted to. They've devoted their lives to it. Prayer is not an option for the Christian if we're to become more like Christ. Tim Keller in his new book on prayer, that's the book Pastor Keith gave our small group leaders, our covenant group leaders, and uh, some leaders as well on staff. Uh, She's been so helpful. I'm so grateful for his encouragement to us to learn more about prayer and experience prayer more in our lives. He says this in his book. He's, He's relating a story about prayer when he and his wife Kathy had a, a conversation after he learned that, that he had thyroid cancer. And uh, Kathy says, this is in your notes, at one point during all of this, my wife urged me to do something with her we'd never been able to muster the self-discipline to do regularly. She asked me to pray with her every night. Every night. She used an illustration that crystallized her feelings very well. As we remember it, she said something like this. Imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine, a pill, every night before going to sleep. Imagine you were told that you could never miss it or you would die. Would you forget? Would you not get around to it some nights? No. It would be so crucial that you wouldn't forget you would never miss. Well, if we don't pray together to God, we're not going to make it. Because of all we are facing. I'm certainly not. We have to pray. We can't let it slip our minds. Is is prayer. Is prayer priority for you? Do you see your need for it if you're to become more like Christ and to grow up into Christ? Spurgeon poetically puts it this way. Even as the moon influences the tides of the sea, so does prayer influence the tides of godliness, of of growth. Men and women who are growing are men and women who are praying. A lot of things can have your attention, right? A lot of things can grab my attention easily. Does prayer have your attention? Does relating with God have your attention? For all social media friends, I mean, that can grab your attention, can't it? Spend, Spend a lot of time with that. There's a a quote by John Piper, really a sermon for another day. (laughs) It says this, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. Ouch. (laughs) 
But what a privilege we have to come before God and to relate with him and to experience him. It's hard work. Don't want to paint the picture like it's not hard work. It's hard work, but it's work you will never forget. And it's work that will grow you and change you. You want to change your mind? You want to see growth in Christ's likeness more in your life? How are you going to prioritize planning to have a healthy prayer life in 2015? Number seven, as we continue to reflect on how do we grow in Christ. Number seven, are, are you serving? Are you serving? We see this in Acts. To become more like Christ is, is to become more like a servant. To become more like a servant. A.W. Tozer puts it this way. No one can long worship God in spirit and truth before the obligation to holy service becomes too strong to resist. Has the, has the sense of wanting to serve become too strong to resist for you? Are you wanting to serve? Are you serving? In Acts 6, 1 through 7, we see the church growing and becoming established. And as it does, more and more needs are getting met by more and more people. More and more people are coming to know the risen Christ. More and more people are becoming more aware of God's grace in their lives and Christ's love for them. And as a result, more and more people are wanting to be like him. And this gets at the heart of who Christ is. You want to be like him? We serve. Christ came not to be served, but to serve us, right? And to lay his life down as a ransom for the many. We get the privilege to emulate that and to serve. Don Whitney writes this about serving so helpful. He says, when God calls people to himself, he calls no one to idleness. When we are born again and our sins are forgiven, the blood of Christ cleanses our conscience, according to Hebrews 9, 14, in order for us to serve the living God. Serve the Lord with gladness, from Psalm 102, is every Christian's commission. There's, there's no such thing as spiritual unemployment or spiritual retirement in the kingdom of God. Our attitude should not be, how little can I serve in the church in light of all my other responsibilities in life? It should be, how much can I serve in the church in light of all my God-given responsibilities that I have? How can I lay my life down for the glory of God and the good of others? And what joy that brings from those of you who are doing it. Many of you are. I just want to commend you in a lot of these categories, church. You're growing. You're doing this. And it's good. It's bringing glory to God. And you're becoming more like Christ. And it's a beautiful witness, not only to us here at one another, but to the surrounding community. May we serve all the more. Reflect Jesus to one another and to the world. Serving is the Savior's priority. It's, it's what brought him from heaven to earth. How is it going to be your priority in, in 2015? Number eight, moving along, getting through it. We got nine. Number eight, are you giving? Are you giving? What about giving? In many ways, 2014 can be looked at as a year of worshiping God or worshiping money. Right, the Bible gives us that paradigm to look through. As you look through that paradigm, what's it say? As we, as we release what's been given to us so generously by God, we, we glorify God. It brings life. It brings good to others. And as a result, we grow. We change. We begin to see what's really important in life and what really, really matters. 
where our treasure really, really must lie. How that is good for us. Growth in Christ's likeness always expresses itself in generosity toward God and his people and in a growing understanding of biblical principles on giving. The more you will become like Christ, the more you will see things his way. The more you will see things his way, especially, especially how we handle our finances. Another quote by John Piper, he says, giving in a regular, disciplined, generous way up to and beyond the tithe is simply good sense in view of the promises of God. God has come. He's promised to come. And we see he came and he rescued us. And one day he will come again and we will be with him for all eternity. He's promised. We've, we've seen that in Acts. He keeps his promises. We see that. He will keep his promises. And it just makes good sense, doesn't it, in light of those promises, to give to God for his glory and for the glory of others. And it benefits you, benefits the giver, grows us up, matures us into Christ's likeness. It's giving a priority for you. What are your plans? What are your plans in 2015 to make God look great with your giving and to benefit others for their good? Finally, number nine. You didn't think we'd ever get here. Um, Number nine. Are you relying? Are you relying? What, what I mean, this is a couple ways. Number one, are you relying on the Spirit's power to change you? Number two, are you relying on Christ's grace to save you? Are you relying on the Spirit's power to change you? Are you relying on Christ's grace to save you. The early Christians consistently relied on these two bookends as they grew in Christ's likeness. So first, are you relying on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Chapter after chapter in Acts is dominated by the Spirit's activity in the life of believers. I can tell when I'm not relying on the Spirit. I can because I can go over lists like this and just get frustrated. Get upset. Get discouraged. It's like, man, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I'm trying. The message in the Bible is just not, it's not try, try, try. It's, it's more rely, rely, rely. Rely on the Spirit's power to strengthen you. And to give you grace. And to grow you. To walk in the ways that God has laid out for us. To do that. So are you relying on the Spirit's power? If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells within you and the power you need to become like Christ resides in you. Right? It's not like, I mean, we got some, some toys for the, the girls for Christmas and um, some of them batteries were not included. Those are fun, huh? You search the house for batteries. Um, that's not true for the Christian. When you became a Christian, you, power included. To live what God calls us to live. That you can see real victory. Let me, let me encourage you. You can see real victory. You can see real growth. Real change. In your life. 
if you rely on the Spirit's power. Don't try to operate without batteries. You all know it doesn't work. Okay, so are you relying on him, right? Saw like the night of the Lord's betrayal on his way to the garden. He says, hey guys, um, to his disciples, you're going to deny me. Peter's like, I won't. I'm not doing that. Not me, Jesus. And what do we see happens? Right? If you look back at Peter's words, it's I. I won't. I would never. And I know we've all, we've all said, Lord, I am, I'm going for you. I'm going to go for it in 2015. I'm going to serve. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read. I want to grow. And that's God. It's a good impulse. But you must do it in reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to. Or it won't operate. We won't, we won't see the change. We'll, we'll only actually look a lot like opposite of Christ. Because we, we may actually pull it off without the Spirit. And that, that's not good, is it? Because that, that makes us think a little too highly of ourselves. Right, so we, we need to rely on the Spirit to do that, to give us growth and to change us. The Spirit's role is essential in our day-to-day process of becoming like Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18 is in your notes. It says, We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We must rely on the empowerment of the Spirit in order to become like Christ. Not only must we rely on the Spirit's power to grow, but we we, we also must rely on the grace of Christ. We must rely on the grace of Christ to be saved. Acts 15.11 says, But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. Relying on the grace of Christ to be saved means this. You are trusting in his finished work that he accomplished for you alone. You're not, you're not trusting in your own works. You're not trusting on whether you, you took this list and you're like, hey, I'm knocking it out of the park here. You're not trusting in this list. You're trusting in Christ's finished work on the cross to save you. And it's, it's being evidenced by you growing in Christ and you increasingly becoming conformed to his image. Jesus lived the righteous life all of us have required, or been required to live, but that all of us failed to live. He did not fail for us. And on the cross, Jesus took our sinful life, received the punishment we deserve, and in exchange, he gave us his righteous life. You bear the righteousness of Christ if you have him. You stand before God as holy and blameless. Why try to produce your own righteousness? As you, as you seek to prioritize growing in godliness, do it with this in view. It's Christ's works that save you. It's not our own. And that, that would inspire us all the more to grow, doesn't it? If we're depending on ourselves, we're going to fail And when we fail, if we're depending on ourselves, we're we're viewing God really different than we should view him. God's God's all of a sudden a taskmaster. 
if we're depending on ourselves. If we're depending on Christ, God is a loving Father who sent, who sent His Son to take away your sin. And so when, when, when we fail, we can go to Him. We can repent. We can receive forgiveness. And we can keep going. We can keep fighting the fight of faith. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, relying on the grace of Christ to change us and grow us. Paul provides insight on this in Ephesians 2. He says, it's by grace that you've been saved, not by works of the law, so no one may boast. We did not earn our way into this process of Christ-likeness. We're not going to earn our way out. If you have Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. Nothing that you do can separate you from his great love for you. Are you relying on that? Are you believing that? If we're to become more like Christ, we must rely on the finished work of Christ. And his perfect obedience, his sin-bearing death on the cross, and his resurrection to new life. Salvation is not a reward for the righteous. It's, a, it's more like a gift for the guilty. right? It's grace. Not based on a righteousness of our own. Kurt, you guys can come on back up. Jesus alone, church, is sufficient to save you. So are you relying on him? How will you prioritize relying on the Spirit's power, relying on grace and remembering the gospel in 2015? As we began just reflecting on the fact that the beginning of a new year is a transition for many of us. It's, it's a good transition for many of us. We look forward to a fresh new start. It's a time to step back from our life and reconsider where we've been and not only where we've been, but where we also want to grow. As a Christian, where do you want to grow? In Christ's likeness. What, what, what do you want? Fast forward a year from now, 2015, a Christmas card of your spiritual life to look like. Where do you want to point out evidences of God's grace in your life? Say, look what God did. We're going to have a testimony service, New Year's Eve. It's a time to share all the wonderful things God has done in our lives. What do you want to, be, what do you want to share this time next year at the testimony service? How God has grown you, how God has changed you, what he's done for you. What are some areas from this list you need to prioritize for 2015? This morning, here's how we're going to close. We're going to close by celebrating what God has done for us through communion. So we're going to participate in this together. Uh, If we could have the ushers come on down. Um, And as we remember our union with Jesus together through this time, let's use this time to reflect on where he wants you to grow. Not only where he wants you to grow, use this time to thank him for where you have grown and how God has been at work in your life. If you have Christ, he has been at work. His grace is growing you and changing you. And remember what we said at the beginning. It's a slow process that we're all in together.
and use this time to reflect on that. God, thank you for the ways that you've changed me. Instead of sinning 100 times in this category, it's, it's been 88. God's changing you. God's committed to you. God's growing you. Reflect on that. Also, maybe, maybe some are here this morning and, and you need to reflect on the fact that you've been relying on yourself. You've been relying on yourself for change and you're, you're just tired. A message like this just, I have tried, Jason. So you're frustrated. And get, get some fresh faith this morning for what God can do in your life this next year. He's here with you. He's given us his spirit. Jesus says that's better than him in the flesh. He's given us the spirit. Rely on him. Maybe you're here this morning, you're just, you're just wondering, there's no way God could love me in light of 2014, in light of what I've done. And you need to remember what we're about to do here. We're about to celebrate the fact that Christ's body hung on a tree for you. And the wrath of God against all of our sin was poured out on him. And his blood was spilled for you. Cleansing you. Cleansing your conscience. Cleansing all our deeds that have been against God. Wiping away all our sins. You are totally loved and forgiven and free in Christ. We celebrate that this morning. Have fresh faith this morning. God is not sitting back with his arms crossed waiting for you to get your life together. God's ready to run and meet you and welcome you home and throw a party and celebrate. Do you realize that? Are you thinking that his love for you is based on your performance? It's not. It's based on Christ's performance for you. Maybe maybe you're here and you just need to use this time to reprioritize some stuff. Because as you look back, you're like, man... (laughs) My priorities have been all out of whack. It just hasn't been normal. Lord, I want to get normal for you. It's worth it. You really want a happy 2015? Reprioritize. Experience the grace that comes through these, these things we talked about this morning. On the night of his arrest and hours before his crucifixion, Jesus commanded all Christians to eat bread and drink from the cup in remembrance of his life and death. As we eat the bread this morning, it symbolizes Christ's body. And as we drink the juice, it symbolizes Christ's blood. Together, when we do that, we're reminded of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. What a relief. It's all been forgiven, friends. Waves upon waves of mercy and grace have been extended to you. And it's just going to keep coming. You're not going to get what you deserve. Isn't that good news? Christ received that instead. He received what we deserved. What a Savior. 
He's the Lamb of God, and He's taken away our sin, friends. And we get to remember that this morning. The Lord's Supper is a celebration. It's a celebration of what God has done for us in Christ. Let's be celebrating in our heart as we eat the bread, drink the juice. Be reminded of this. Listen, this has several implications for us as we participate. Number one, here's some implications. This is a time for us to celebrate as together we remember that because of Christ's death for our sin, we no longer face judgment for our sin. Judgment for our sin was poured out on Christ instead. And we, we go free. We have peace with God. So we celebrate that together. Number two, this is a meal meant for those who have turned from their sin and turned to God for forgiveness of sin. This is a meal for those who have united their lives with Christ's life in his death and resurrection. Those who say, I've died to sin and I'm alive in Christ. Because this is sharing in his life together. So if you have not, if you have not turned to Christ for the salvation of your sins, Let me encourage you, now would be a great time to do that. You want a wonderful 2015? And nothing could be better than this. Having Jesus. Having his life. And being poured out for you. And you having peace with your maker. If you've not turned from sin and turned to God, this meal is not for you. This meal is for those who have identified with Jesus as their Savior. Number three, guys, here's the third implication. This this is a time for us to gather, not in our own good works, but at the foot of the cross. And just realize it's, it's leveling ground for all of us. We all need Christ. There's not a person in here who can depend on their own life for acceptance before God. We must tremble and trust in the, in the blood of Christ alone. And so, so we, we cling to that right now. We, we come to the foot of the cross and we all say together, Jesus, we need you. And not only that, but we, we renew our commitment. We renew our commitment to follow you wholeheartedly. We renew our commitment to, to reprioritize things. In light of your great mercy, we, we commit to, to make our lives a living sacrifice for you, Jesus. Right, that's, that's what a time for this is. We're, 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 we're expressing that desire as we come before the meal. This is a time to publicly forsake sin, to publicly take up your cross, to publicly say Jesus is better publicly say, I'm with Jesus. He is my life. We're going to do this together. All right, so here's how we're going to start from the front. If you guys could come on up from the front row, and we're just going to work our way back, and and Kurt and the team are going to lead us in worship. Again, just use this time to reflect, to thank God, to confess sin, to repent, to celebrate who God is and what he's done.
thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto Summer and winter and springtime and Sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness. Verses 23 through 26 say this. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's, let's proclaim this good, amazing news together as we celebrate this meal. Let's take the bread. It symbolizes Christ's body, which was given for you. Take it and eat. cup symbolizing Christ's blood which was poured out on our behalf for the forgiveness of our sins for reconciliation with our maker we take and drink would you join me in prayer Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to us this past year, to this church and to this body. Lord, how you have provided for us in abundance. Lord, how you have carried us along, Lord. You've you've never let us walk alone, Lord. You've You've always been with us. You will never leave us or forsake us. So we rejoice in that, Lord, and we pray you would help us. You would help us in in 2015 by your spirit to become more like the Savior. Lord, help us look more like our big brother, the Lord Jesus. Help us to grow up into him, the head of the body, and to mature. Lord, thank you for this wonderful process you've installed in our lives. Thank you for sending your spirit to us. I pray you would receive all the glory and all the honor and all the praise in 2015. I pray that you would be made much of here at Lakeview and in our lives, Lord. Look forward to celebrating you this New Year's Eve and what you've done. It's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. All right, church. May you have a Christ-like 2015. You are dismissed.